having ADHD, a hyperfocus is, is literally there could be a bomb going off outside and nothing can physically stop me in that moment. Yes, yes, yes. You're listening to the Word Spoken Podcast, the poetry podcast, which brings you the best. I'm your host, Henry. How are we all doing? This is episode 34. Um, pretty mad how all these are kind of flying by. I hope everyone is kind of keeping well. Um, so, yeah, we've got MEP coming on to the show this week. She's a super talented girl, so really, really pleased to get her on. Um, if you're a returning listener then hello welcome back if you're new to the podcast though just a quick recap on what to expect from the episode we're going to hear three performances from MEP herself in between those performances we have kind of sit down and have a conversation Um, and then amongst those conversations we have a couple of segments we have one called 155 which is like a quick fire free write we just pick a word at random and MEP has to write a piece um in one minute 55 and then just read it out um she absolutely nails it in this one so <laughs> it was really good and then finally towards the end we have a segment called eyes and ears where we'll get a recommendation basically you know something for our eyes something for us to read or watch and then something for our ears something for us to listen to um yeah it's a great app um emmy sheds a lot of light on to kind of start off with what it means to suffer with adhd um, she's someone that gives kind of goes around the country um, giving a lot of kind of talks about this um, so yeah she shed some amazing light on that subject and we have a good conversation about that to kind of start off with then she is a musician as well so we kind of have a little chat about how kind of combining spoken word and music is you know something which perhaps more people should be doing we obviously chat about the scene and so on it's a great episode um look the 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 first poem it's called Volume Control. We then hear Waves, which is a fantastic song, like really, really great. And then finally, a piece called Mud Hill, all about her um, teenage years in Basildon. So, MEP Mate is the Instagram handle. She's an Essex girl through and through, and we love that. The first piece we're going to hear is entitled Volume Control. I'm a child of the mother. I was born in 1994. How do I start? Poetry prescribed, pen perfectly poised. It was supposed to be you. I've always been shit at math. Was he ever scared? In this poem. Everything I want is already mine. Word Spoken Podcast. Imagine if you will volume control. You know the twisty knob of a stereo or a car radio. Now imagine that's at 100 and it keeps spinning round and no matter how much you want it to, it won't turn down. Now imagine that cacophony in the caverns of my head because it's only getting louder when I try and go to bed. It's every wire of my brain being caught on a sound. It's the lights, it's the chaos of a merry-go-round. Because I'm tuned in to higher things, distracted by higher things. I grow wings, my soul sings, distracted by higher things. It's the adrenaline of waiting for a beat to drop. It makes me sick to my stomach, but I don't want it to stop. It's Adderall and Ritalin, Metadate and Focalin, Citralopan, Diazepam, Prozac and Quetiapine. I'm thankful for the relief, though it's brief, and then I miss me. I miss the me I used to be, I ain't broke, so don't fix me. 28 years for them to give me a label. Took 28 years for them to call me unstable, but just because you want to give something a name, essentially it's irrelevant, I'm exactly the same. As I was before your pills and all the heartbreak and the pain. Before every single memory made a home in my brain. Underneath all this bedlam is a heart of gold. So is it my fault my brain don't want to do what it's told? 
I wasn't brave enough before to do it on my Jack Jones. I wasn't brave enough before to sit in my glass house throwing big stones. But the pain and the hunger and the passions deep rooted growing flowers in my chest bones. I'm growing flowers in my chest bones. And I want to change the world. And I'm mad enough to think I could. I lost my mind a thousand times, screwed up enough to know I would. So should I shut my mouth? Don't ever think I fucking should. My words, they give me purpose like being loved or motherhood. And I could blame that on anxiety or I could blame it on ADHD, but my hyper-focus and creativity, you can't take that away from me. And I could blame it on society, but I know my brain is down to me. My hyper-focus and creativity will take me places that you'll never reach and you can't take that away from me. So there we go. That was the wonderful MEP with a piece entitled Volume Control. Um, MEP, thank you very much for coming on to Word Spoken. No problem. Happy to be here. How are you doing? Are you doing well? I am doing well, yeah. Yeah. Uh, Feels like things are slowly getting a bit back to normal, if that's possible. So We are. Yeah, it's kind of nice to... Well, it's nice to do things like this, to be able to... Even though, like gigs aren't in full swing yet it's nice to be having some kind of input in the poetry scene without actually doing it how we used to you know yeah i know i guess because it's obviously everything's been so vacant right Mm. these past few months so it's um yeah i'm really kind of pleased that we've been able to kind of get you down here we originally first spoke about this a really long time ago yeah we we was i was just saying we Went to record in April, didn't we? we and did. then that was possibly the worst time we could have had. Yeah. How, uh, yeah, naive we were. But look, um, yeah, thank you for coming on no and uh, performing that first piece. I really, really liked it. You know, there, there were a couple of lines in there which kind of jumped out. And the one where you kind of, I think you do actually say it twice when it's like flowers in my chest bones. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, really, I just had a, such a great image in my mind whilst whilst you were kind of saying those lines. And um, and I just, yeah, so I really love that first piece. Why don't you kind of start off by giving us um, a bit of kind of background to that first piece? Yeah, so that piece, I would say, was my introduction to the spoken world yeah, it, like it mm. kind of, because I've always been a musician and I've always been in bands, some good ones, some not so good ones, <laughs> and kind of played everything. Like I've always loved music, like, it, and everything from sort of hip hop to, to, uh, like real sort of, I was in loads of like emo bands, had the full like black quiff and the piercings <laughs> and everything. But, you know, music was always that for me. And, I hadn't done a, a, a spoken word gig before, but I'd always written poetry. Like from as when I was as young as sort of like 10, 11, I was always writing things in notebooks. And at my mum's house, she's got all of these notebooks of all these things I used to write in and I just used to scribble things down. And that kind of carried through. And then in like 2016, 2017, I realised that I'd, I'd just got a bunch of poems that I was just doing nothing with and music wasn't quite fulfilling me as much as I wanted it to on its own it's like it wasn't enough and what I love about spoken word is it's just so there's nothing more honest than just standing there with a mic and and Mm. saying words (laughs) and people responding and when it came to writing volume control that was the first piece I wrote where I thought I've written something that's that 
not only means a lot to me, but I felt I'd showed it to people, which I'm often reluctant to do, because even though I come across confident and quite a nervous character, so I, I didn't really, you know, apprehensive to show people my stuff. And, and when I did show people volume control, it was so well received. I thought, actually, this is a good message and I should get on a stage and do that. And uh, yeah, I went to my first ever spoken word open mic naively on a bank holiday, which obviously I didn't really realise how busy it would be. And there was like over 150 people there. When when and uh, then, <laughs> was this? Was this how, how this long ago? This was like 2017, some okay. point. And yes, and then I like stood on, and it was like summer and I stood on stage and was so nervous and so twitchy and shaky. And But once I'd done it, I thought oh my God, I can't ever not do this now. This this makes so much more sense to me than gigging with music ever did. Mm. And, and and volume control was just a perfect, I think I always say it like kind of sums me up in three minutes. If I ever had to choose a poem to do that summed me up as an artist and, and what I think and feel, I would always pick that word. Even though it's probably not my best one. The feelings I feel when I, when I say those words are like nothing I ever feel when I do any other poem. When so you kind of mentioned there that you kind of always have written mm. always have written uh poetry. So like can take us back to your kind of childhood and like so what what was it do you think that kind of spurred you on to start writing from a young age? I think I've always I've always suffered with my mental health, even as a child, uh, not a young, young child, but as soon as I hit teenage years, it was very apparent, you know, uh, that I was different maybe to my friends, or at least I felt different. And uh, back then we didn't know that I had ADHD because I wasn't diagnosed until much later in life, but I had very sort of little interest in doing much but I, I was always really interested in anything artsy whether that be getting up on stage drawing writing singing dancing anything that was like that that got all of my attention and um so you know which is the perfect escape when you're when you're a child or a teenager who is really struggling with their emotions in a way I feel lucky that I've always had that because I often think, well, where would I be without it? Because mm. it's, I've definitely been in some really dark places, even as sort of young as 12, 13, and some of the feelings I was battling and things. And, but I always knew that I could write it down. And that was an instant release for me, I think. Yeah. And still is now. Yeah. So it's, um, that's one of the things that I definitely wanted to have a chat with you about. Yeah. Um, is of course exactly this. So, so you've you've uh, very recently, if I'm not mistaken, have kind of started your own podcast. Yes, called "Ain't Broke, Don't Fix Me." Yes, um, which um, I've been listening to, and it, I think it's a brilliant, brilliant show. Um, so, I urge anyone that is listening to this that hasn't, you know, already checked out to kind of go and do so. Um, why don't you kind of give us a bit of context as to when and why you started this podcast? Okay, so, uh, yeah, so the, it's weird because the idea of doing a podcast was just never in my head, ever. Like, it never even crossed my mind. Even though I love listening to podcasts, I didn't know, especially on like, a, we was talking about this just before, on a technical basis, I'm always like, I'm the arts person, but I always give it to someone to like <laughs> put together or fix and... I'd no equipment, I'd no, but you know, as soon as we went into lockdown, because I kind of do work-wise, I do a bit of everything. I, I teach children music and I 
gig and I'm a musician and I and um, I work in a school and all of these things and all of those things just stopped. And I really struggled with that feeling of, I felt like I had like a lack of purpose. Like what am I, what am I doing? Because that's all I know. And that's, especially as I've always used that as like a kind of healing tool. Well, now that's all gone. Now what? Um, so I guess that the podcast, I thought, well, that's a way of still me chatting about the things that I'm passionate about. Me still, because I, I often talk at ADHD seminars and, and, um, uh, there's a fantastic company called Nutritious Minds that are a uh, charity that support children and uh, adolescents with ADHD and autism and, and mental health problems uh, through nutrition and um, and giving them uh, funding and things like that that they might need. And I've, I've kind of asked me to be an ambassador and I always go to those events and talk about ADHD and what my experiences were like. So I'm kind of just doing that but on a mic. That's kind of what the podcast <laughs> is. And then I was like, okay, I can't just, it can't just be me talking every episode. Yeah. So, you know, kind of every other, well, pretty much every episode so far, I've had a guest bar a couple and just inviting people on who have either got ADHD or autism or depression or anxiety or anything under that umbrella of neurodiversity or mental health. And, but the people who are using that and transforming it into something else because actually ADHD gets such a bad rep of being this uh, a behavioural condition and quite often it's seen as such a negative thing Mm. and whilst ADHD has played you know some real negative parts in my life it's also enabled me to do some fantastic things which I don't think I would have done had I not have ADHD because actually my impulsive behaviour and and that self-confidence when I'm putting situations where a mic is put in front of me gave me the confidence I didn't have otherwise. So I think in many ways people need to know that. And that's what the podcast is about. No. And, 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 and I think, um, I think the podcast does that in a really, really great way. It's a very good listen. You get some really good guests on. One of the things whilst I was kind of listening to the show and you've briefly mentioned it here as, as, as well is the, um, a um, kind of state of hyper-focus, mm. which you can often find yourself yeah. in and people that suffer from ADHD also kind of do. So in your um, case, uh, your your kind of hyper-focus subject is music yeah. and spoken word, right? Mm. Is, that, is, that, is that right? Yeah, and uh, I would say just because I can't even say that I'm, I wouldn't, even though I do write constantly, I don't consider myself like a writer because most of the time it's just scribbles and ideas. But actually those scribbles and ideas do amount to something in the end. But yeah, that has always been my hyper-focus. And by Mm. hyper-focus, because a lot of time people say, you know, oh yeah, I'm really interested in something. But I'm like, with a, with having ADHD, a hyperfocus is is literally there could be a bomb going off outside and nothing can physically stop me in that moment, which sometimes is really infuriating for the people around me. Like my partner often goes, like, "Oh, for God's sake!" Because like I can, I'll think of an, an idea at ten past eleven, and I start work at, it at half past eleven, say. And she's like, well, you can't be starting that now. You start working 20 minutes. And But I've got all these thoughts racing and I'll find myself still in bed at 25 past and then 
shit, I'm late for work. How did that happen? Well, it's obvious why it happened. But in that moment, there's no logic of, well, there isn't enough time to do that. We'll have to come back to that later. And it's that fixation on something and not being able to come away from it until you've done what you needed to do. Yeah, I like think it's um, something which, you know, often people can kind of naively think that, oh yeah, I know hyper-focus. Yeah, I've yeah. once really kind of focused on something. But it's kind of great to hear what that is like from someone that suffers from that but 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 also what i find quite interesting is you know um uh many people often you know when they're coming to terms with this realize the kind of strength that it can give mm. them right so i think you're definitely one of those people um also do you, you know the rapper loyal Kana as yeah, well right amazing. So he's like often like talked about this and he 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 kind of feels it's like a superpower right yeah but 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 obviously it is one which um has to kind of be managed right so there are obviously some downsides and some up and some upsides to it so like where do you feel that kind of um what what can uh sway the balance there so say someone's been diagnosed with with this and they're kind of um, unaware of the things they might need to do in order to kind of make the most out of the kind of perceived downsides, yeah. like hyper focus. What what are the kind of steps involved into kind of realizing the kind of genuine potential of someone who suffers from? I would say thing? like it's exactly that. It's tapping into the potential of what that can do for you because for so long my self-esteem was and still is really low because for so long I I always thought because you know especially in like something like a school setting or college or when you're in an appointment and you seem distracted or someone you care about is telling you something important and it comes across like you don't care or often check in with them that's 99% of the time not the case and I'm terrible with like you know, my friends might be going through something really difficult and they might tell me and then I might forget to check up on them. And it's not because I don't care. It's because something has literally taken over me. And I think that's, you know, unless it's, and I don't take well to hints either. So even if someone's like, you know, really hinting that they they need me, it's completely got over my head as well. Um, but it's tapping into the thing that you are, it's using it for, for good. So in so many ways, like when I think, you know, like I said, I work with children and I work for this this theatre company called Youth Creation and it's all of my friends are artists and dancers and actors and singers and we put this company together and we put on this big show and we do that every year and obviously it hasn't happened this year but each year we do a show with like a hundred people in this show and we write a show in a really small condensed amount of time and put it out and I can forget all of my notes for every meeting for this. I will, you know, I might have one job to do, which might be, oh, you've got to put this mic on this person at this part in the show. And guaranteed every time I will forget it. So in many ways, that's awful. However, when it comes to the writing process, my friend might say, oh, okay, we need a song that is about, I don't know, that is about school life. And it needs to be kind of hip hop, but acoustic and we need it in by tomorrow, say. 
And if that's something that I'm like, oh my God, I can do that, I will literally get it done in like a minute and a half. <laughs> and then I'll send it to her and she's like, Jesus Christ, like, how have you managed to send that to me? And that's, I, in some ways, with work especially, it's kind of helped me to flourish in loads of different ways. Mm. So I think it's all about using it in the, in times where you feel like this is my time to shine rather than... <laughs> Rather than when you're five minutes late for work. <laughs> um, so, at, at what age were you self-diagnosed? So, my it's such a weird journey. My my first signs of of having some kind of either mental health or neurodiverse issue was when I was 15 years old. Uh, signs were showing when I was about 13 and 14. Um, and I went to the doctors and my mum took me to the GP and they, you know, offered me different counselling things, but they said it could be hormonal, you know, if she's going through puberty and all of these things. Um, So it kind of got swept away. And because I necessarily wasn't, you know, I was badly behaved, but I wasn't like uncontrollable. Yeah, yeah. So these things were all low level at this point. It was forgetting my schoolwork, which, you know, a lot of kids do. I was always late for things. I would really, really emotional, really low self-esteem, really scatty and so easily distracted in class that I would often sort of get up out of my seat and walk around and start chatting to other people. But, you know, nothing that could be considered really naughty. So for years, it just kind of got swept away. But then when I went to college and university, I started... I'd do something for two weeks and then drop out or I'd constantly lose jobs. And it was affecting every area of my life where it was almost like, hang on, something isn't right here. I'd start a job two weeks, I'd lose it. And I'd, I, I wouldn't know why, because that was just my normal behaviour. Mm. Or I'd quickly lose interest and move on to something else. And that was enough to get me sacked. And, you know, I was making all of these terrible decisions and impulsive decisions that were costing me relationships, jobs, uh, you know, education, all of these things. And it wasn't until sort of when I was in my 20s that I was like, for me, I was starting to, I was like, this is what this is. Because I was just slowly starting to read things online. Right. And I was like, hang on, that's me, that's me, that's me. But there was such a lack of um, knowledge around it. And my mum and dad just didn't know really what ADHD was back then. And, you know, they knew that there was something different with me and problems with me that they struggled with, but they couldn't pinpoint what it was. And I wasn't diagnosed until I was 27, 28. Yeah. I mean, it's mad now thinking of it. Is that because obviously, you know, when you kind of uh, talk about the effects that this this can have on kids, Mm. what it kind of boils down to is those types of things, right? You're kind of late for school or your homework's left at home, whatever, which, you know, in obviously can make school much harder for kids. Mm. But in the grand scheme of like how your life is then is is, is then affected, it it kind of isn't so serious yet because you are kind of still a kid. But as you move into adulthood, right? And you're you're talking about relationships and jobs if it's still something which kind of uh, you don't have access to kind of help with, then it actually really is playing a massive role, a massive negative role in your life, yeah. right? It can genuinely affect everything. Yeah. And, and, and that's because it kind of went, um, you know, it wasn't diagnosed in an earlier stage. So is there is there nowadays for kids in school, mm. do you feel um, there is enough kind of... Uh, 
talk about this kind of subject in school and that the kids that need the help are getting the help or I think, is there still some way to go? Yeah, I think there's still a way to go. And I think the frustrating thing is, you know, we spoke about this bef- before on one of the podcasts I did is that teachers are the ones, are quite often the ones that want to help, but a lot of the time their hands are tied because obviously so many, so many um funding things are being cut for like government funding cuts are constant and a lot of the area where they where the cuts are happening is the special needs Mm. and the um yeah the special educational needs and when like there just simply isn't enough money or enough resources to help every child with ADHD and quite often because of that, the children with ADHD who are the ones that are smashing up the classroom, the ones who are constantly swearing, the ones who are climbing the walls, the the ones who physically can't sit still are always going to get diagnosed quicker because you can't escape that type of ADHD. And let's be honest, you know, as, as someone with ADHD and who's taught children with ADHD in a classroom setting, that does affect everybody in the yeah. class. And that that's going to make more of a noise and is going to get seen to a lot quicker than maybe, you know, a a 10-year-old girl who is crying a lot at home, who can't face school, who keeps forgetting things, who doesn't like change, who um, is getting distracted really easily, who can't concentrate. Well, they're things that, you know, on a smaller level, you can say, well, quite a lot of people have got those things. But when it's collectively all together, it affects every aspect of your life. Like even coming to here today, there is never a moment in in my life where it is an absolute chaos. And, you know, on face value, we, you know, sometimes I could look back and laugh at that. But me driving to here in and and I went and stopped and, and got a drink and then I left my keys in the place and then I had to drive back and and get my keys from that place and then it started raining and then I would like dropping things on the floor and when in the midst of dropping things on the floor I was like oh my tablets I haven't taken those today do you know what I mean and it's constant everywhere you go and it's you know it's lucky I was here on time like, <laughs> you're like well, here at all <laughs> you absolutely smashed it on yeah. that on uh, that front and I'm really really glad that yeah. that, that, you, that you did make it down um so look, uh, tell us a little bit about the second piece that you're going to perform for us. And we're going to hear some beautiful music alongside yeah. us as well. So it's, it's, it's called Waves. Give us the kind of context to this piece. Okay, so this piece is loosely based on addiction. Um, I don't consider myself, because, you know, a lot of the time after I play this, I think people think that I'm an alcoholic, but <laughs> that's not the case. Um, but I have often struggled with, you know, patterns of addiction. And actually, I think that's common for a lot of us because I I think like addiction is we're all on all on some kind of spectrum of addiction whether it's kind of our phones um social media it could be buying a lot of stuff food overeating you know all of those stuff that the the other sides of addiction that people don't think of and it's so easy to turn to the things that are bad for us to make us feel temporarily good and I was in a particularly crappy mood one day and and was just doing all of the things that I shouldn't eating shit food drinking a lot of alcohol and feeling really crap about myself but temporarily that made me feel a bit better and yeah this piece is about that 
Great. Well, look, um, this is a lovely, lovely piece. Um, I'm so pleased we've been able to kind of get you down and to play some some beautiful tunes for us. This is the first time that we're going to have someone play a live instrument on the podcast. So look, I'm very much uh, excited about it. Let's jump in on here. So this is MEP with Waves. It's a fear, I guess. It's a fear that I won't ever amount to much, and it's an ache in my chest. And it pushes down on my heart, and it tells me I'm not good enough. So I reach for a bottle. I reach for a bottle, and I call it medicinal, cause for a while it eases everything. Until I try and get sober, and it's just not mental pain, it's physical, and I wish you all knew me before this. I wish I knew myself like back when everything was sunnier But it's becoming a bit of a joke now Cause I felt the punchline too many times and it never gets funnier And I guess I'm just grieving I'm just grieving for the woman I expected to be But for now I'm gonna reach for a bottle Draw my sorrow, let the current take me out to sea I've always felt the worst I tried every time Every time, cause I never learned to swim. I never learned to swim. Starting to think it's never gonna happen. Losing faith in myself that I can change my experience. So I say I'm gonna make the change Monday. But then Monday turns into Tuesday, and Tuesday becomes every day that I don't make a difference. That I don't have enough self-respect just to see that I need more So I need to think positive Law of attraction, go I give just for a fraction of that A light and an open door Cause I'm just tired of starting over Do you know how draining it is to pick yourself up When you know you're gonna fall and then you starve and you save Abstinence and you cave Cause you crave the greatness, bit the buzz and the comfort of it all I don't expect you to understand me Just be patient but I know that there's better days for me So for now I'm gonna reach for a bottle let the current take my sorrow, let me out to sea. I've always felt the waves. High tide every time, then pulling me in. I've always felt the waves. I kept shies every time, cause I never learned to swim. MEP, um, thank you. That was um, that was beautiful. I'm so glad we've had someone kind of come on and bring their live musical talents to Words Spoken. Um, it was, yeah, that was a really, really great piece. Thank, thank you. you. <laughs> um, thank you very much. So yeah, I love your singing voice as well. The um, Now I want to have a little chat about, so we kind of mentioned obviously around three years ago is when you got into Spoken Words, you know, you turned those um, pieces which you had written for so long into kind of a live thing yeah um so 
how quickly did things progress for you in your kind of spoken word career from the first night you did it? Yeah, it was it was mad. It was like I wouldn't say it was right away, but it was after I'd performed that piece at the um at the open mic night, I knew that I, I needed to start getting involved with more things, but I just didn't know what it was about. And one of my friends, uh, Tash Thomas, she was saying to me, you know, oh, I know this place and you should try this place. And I was heading down to all these different things. And I realised really quickly that, you know, it's such a beautiful setting to be in. And I very quickly made friends on the scene. I very quickly sort of was thrown into this world of of talent that I'd never really experienced before. Because, you know, I'd, I'd performed gigs, but nine times out of ten, that was me. One minute, I might be on stage with my band and, you know, performing at a big festival and it's all really exciting. But next minute, I'm performing in a pub to two people. And that's very much what music is like and being in a band. It's constant and it's... and a lot of the time you've got an unappreciative crowd. If that's not someone's scene or that's not their type of music, they won't show much love. Mm. Um, when it's like these spoken word gigs, it's a, it's a, anyone who goes to watch are people who love words and people who love listening and, and really are captivated by that. And all the people that perform uh, you know, it's a real family ethic and everyone really supports everyone else. And I loved that. And so, yeah, the people I met along the way kind of were then like, oh, you should come and do this. And and that's what happened for a few months. And then probably last year was the most exciting year, I would say, because all of a sudden it just started to make sense. Like I recorded a couple of pieces um, and the videos went out and literally over the space of a couple of days, like on YouTube, they'd got like sort of 10 to 12,000 hits. And mm. and I thought, oh, okay, maybe I'm onto something. And I realised it was a lot of people, especially with the mental health stuff, were like, okay, this really resonates with me. So they they're then sharing it with a friend and, oh, you know, as someone with ADHD, share that with them. And it was, it was really very quickly moving around and then off the back of that I then became the ambassador of that charity and then off the back of that I did a uh performance and there was uh I don't know if you know him but the he like used to be on Hollyoaks and he's an actor called Paul Danan and he off he has ADHD as well and he was at this event talking so then he was like recommended me to different people and it's just through word of mouth and I was really lucky in that right and then it moved to me, I won the Undiscovered UK Spoken Word Artist. Oh, yeah, so, so I won that and so that was that is good. That's what I wanted to ask you about because on your Instagram bio it says award-winning. Yeah. Award-winning. So, so tell us a little bit about that So award. that was just like an online competition. And actually the, the, um, the final, like where we performed live it kind of couldn't have gone worse. Not for not just for me, but for everyone who took part. Like Why is that? Why is that? loads of my favourite poets were like up against me. So it didn't feel like a competition. It felt like we were just there and we were going to perform. Like Woodsy was there. Oh, yeah. uh, Simon J. Keenan was there and Daisy Nash and all these people I really love and admire. And we were all there. Uh, 
but it was split into two halves. So the first half was like dancers and singers and all stuff like that. And the second half was more poetry. But what they did is the dancers and singers went first and then they all left in the first half. Like no joke, like every one of them went. (laughs) And this was this big thing that had been building. Like thousands of people had voted online for this. And that was part of the voting system and crowd reaction. And this crowd was slowly disintegrating (laughs) until in the end, it was like the four of us and five other people. And I was thinking, well, I'm glad I've got the other votes to back me up because this is based on how the crowd's going to react it's literally going to be my girlfriend clapping and no one else um but apart from that you know I was really lucky because I got so many votes online so that you know helped me to win that then in a couple of months after that then I got invited on to BBC London yes uh and did like an interview and some poetry on there uh, with Salma Elwadani, who is a, an amazing poet and Lionheart. I love him as well. He's one of my favourite poets too. And then from that, there was the top 50, there was a list of top 50 neurodivergent women um, in the country who, neurodivergent women who they think have made, you know, the biggest impact. And yeah, I was in that list as well. And so, uh, but that all happened within like, four or five months it was like four or five months of like it being amazing and then it kind of you know wound down january february ah lovely and then you know lockdown and then oh wow nothing so yeah yeah so it's been really weird so it's nice to have had the podcast to kind of focus on and and but yeah i'm missing being out there and performing so much i know did you kind of get a chance to get involved with some of the virtual stuff in the past few months yeah i have and i've done loads of it Um, i've done you know a couple of the mind over matter open mics Mm. i've done you know some different charity events some of the pride events um and they've been great but i just miss people do you know what i mean it's just that i've missed that connection of actually being near someone rather than just seeing them on a screen yeah and without glitching constantly (laughs) no i couldn't agree with you more like it was kind of i think at the start for me like the novelty was there i was like oh this is kind of cool this is how like the scene is reacting to the carnage that is the current you know vibe but um after i just didn't feel like i had the legs do you know what i mean yeah (laughs) yeah totally i kind of wasn't really into it after a while um okay cool so uh we've now reached the part of the show which is entitled 155 now i'm excited <laughs> i'm laughing already because I'm like, i feel like this is gonna go either brilliantly yeah do you know what or i feel like it's gonna be an absolute shit show <laughs> i mean i would like either of those to happen yeah yeah <laughs> One, five, five. Okay, so 155 is the part of the show where we challenge our guests to a quickfire free write. The rules are as follows. You must pick one word out of that box right in front of you and use it as a prompt to write a piece. You have got one minute 55, after which you solemnly swear oh. to read it out loud. Do you solemnly swear to read it yes, out loud? Yes, I then solemnly repeat. swear yeah. to read it out loud. <laughs> right, God knows that, what I'm going to say. Now, that is a verbal contract, but yeah. I, will, I will hold you to it. Yeah. So um, the first thing to do is to give that little box a little shake right in front of you there. I'm like, what if I don't know what the word means? Oh, no. That, right, so the words will be nice and simple. Um, but that I one's can't calling me, so not, I need like, to... Unnecessarily weird. Yeah, okay. Do you know what I mean? Like, I, can't, I can't promise that, I'm afraid. Okay. Do you want to read, you want to read, read the word? Carrot. <laughs> oh, God. Carrot. <laughs> okay, so... <laughs> 
The, the thing is, you can use it as a prompt and take it wherever yeah. you want, right? I mean, I swear the ones that have been coming out recently, I'm not proud of. But anyway, look, so um, a, a reminder to everyone listening or watching at home that you should play along with this, right? We're going to have a countdown clock right there. Um, it's going to be 1 minute 55. Play along, send in whatever you come up with, and you get the chance to win yourself a word spoken mug. So I say, don't be a mug, win a mug. <laughs> right, okay, cool. So, MEP, are you ready? With the word carrot. Yeah. I'm excited then. to see what comes out here. So let's play 155. 155. And we're off. Okay. So we've got MEP down in the studio. We've got a prompt of the word carrot. Now, um, I normally give a little fact about uh, the thing, whatever the thing is. Um, and I'm trying to get out my little thing which does that for me. And I'm not being able to. So instead, we're just going to have a little chat about carrots. Now, where would you take this if you were doing this? We're talking like Bugs Bunny. He often gets involved in carrots. Um, you know, it's healthy. It's a vegetable. <laughs> Many different ways this could go. Um, and I'm excited to see what we kind of come up with here. Obviously, um, having heard these first uh, two pieces, we know that Emmy can sing very well. Will that be incorporated? <laughs> Who knows? You've got to try and blank me out, by the way. I'll just blabber around for this bit. <laughs> we are roughly halfway, MEP. I'm excited. So this is obviously, you know, if you're going to send in whatever your pieces, I've just got to trust you in this, right? You've just got to do it in one minute, 55. Okay, if you take two minutes, that's all right. But just send it in and you can get yourself your very own word spoken mug. Um... And I'm excited to kind of see, you know, I've been really enjoying the pieces that people have been sending in. Um, and Carrot's a weird one, I will admit. So <laughs> we're getting pretty close here, Emmy. The time, the time goes remarkably quickly for this. We're getting about very close, as I always say, to the 10 second countdown. I'll give you a little minute to collect your thoughts after the countdown comes. <laughs> written a lot yeah I'm done put your pens down <laughs> wow I'm so impressed with the number of words on that page okay cool so what we're going to do is I will give you time just to kind of read it in your head okay, see yeah, like, yeah, yeah. if there's any bits which you want to get the flow right you're feeling ready this could be like my new piece that I do on stage when I go back after lockdown <laughs> do you know what I mean I've written a really cool poem about carrots <laughs> Okay, cool. So you're feeling confident, oh you're God. feeling ready? Yeah, okay, yeah, yeah, sure. Okay, cool. So this is MEP with the 155 challenge with the word carrot. Okay, here we go. Carrots in my view, the worst veg ever, watery basic, I could just never write a poem about a carrot or a verse just to show my love. I do a carrot rap, but I'm too white and I'm not cool enough. I'm a vegetarian writing about vegetables, ain't that great? But here's my bars about a vegetable I hate. <laughs> <laughs> that was exceptional for me there. Wow. Wow, wow, wow. Fire in the booth. <laughs> it's like Radio 1 Hilarious. Extra. We need to get those sound effects in. You know, that glass smashing. Yeah. <laughs> Perfect. Oh, wow. Yeah. That was... That, look, can I just... Like, I'm just going to show this to, to the camera. There's not a single scribble on that. You literally wrote that 
and just maybe it's because I hate carrots so much. It's like a passion. That Do you know what? Flew out of you. <laughs> You've written a whole page and not corrected or gone over anything. That's proper impressive. <laughs> Yeah, I'm wow. actually mildly impressed with that as well. Oh, yeah. yeah. You're pretty good about that one. I, I might take a picture. Frame it. <laughs> Honestly, very impressed. But just to remind everyone, I mean, it's going to be tricky to beat that, but you don't have to. You compete against other listeners, so send in whatever you get, and I'll ping you a word spoken mug. Wow. Thank you, MP, for playing. <laughs> <laughs> very very impressed so one of the um obviously we've heard you play some music and you play it beautifully so um i wanted to chat a little bit about your kind of career in music so mm. like you like said you have been in a number of bands yeah. and stuff so what like kind of music do you guys put out or do you on your own so <laughs> so i was in my first taste of music was i was in a band when i was 15 and we were like an all-girl punk pop band and Watch we yeah. were really fucking cool <laughs> no i don't think we were but we thought we were thought and we, were. we like we won like a local battle of the bands thing and it was like a really big deal when i was 15 but that that was that ship sailed pretty quickly but i literally only sang for that band because i'm I like singing, but it's not, I'm not amazing at it. Like I know I'm, I know quite a lot theoretically about singing and and music and things like that. But when it comes to singing, I've I've not got like a massive range and it's not like my, my dream to sing, but singing for a band I was good at because I liked being like a a show person. I liked being at the front and being the front woman and getting all the attention and lapping it up. So I love that. And then but I loved music. So I, I'm kind of one of those people, like I play a bunch of instruments, but none of them that well. Do you know what I mean? Like <laughs> yeah. guitar is something I go to and I'm good at, but you know, I could never play like a incredible guitar solo. Like I just know the things that I need to. What 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 else is on the list then? P- a bit of piano, oh, guitar yeah. and piano. I play bass, ukulele. I don't know if you can count that, and a bit of drums. Okay. So, like, I can play a bit of everything, but, you know, enough to co- record a basic track by myself. So that was enough. Uh, and then I just gigged for years just acoustically, just me and a guitar singing. Um, and then my band that I was in, like, up until I finished with, like, until I moved into the spoken word scene, um, was like a real sort of emo again pop punk band but I was I loved it like I've got a real guilty pleasure for that music like I love everything from sort of I'm a real reggae fan I'm a real hip-hop fan like especially UK hip-hop and grime um but yeah like I've always had a real soft spot for you know that real sort of like alternative heavy guitars like showy makeup and depressing lyrics and I think that that's kind of there's still a lot of you know as much as bands like that get mocked there's still a lot of truth in the lyrics and things like that so it was quite easy to carry that over but uh when like did you start kind of putting your spoken word and your music to like together in one um that was sort of after I'd done a few gigs, spoken word gigs, and I and I saw some like hip hop artists, and I thought actually I could I could do something quite cool here because whilst I love hip hop and I love you know 
I can rap a bit, but you know, that's not my thing. But as much as I love that, I was like, hang on, I can do something musically, but maybe it doesn't have to be hip hop. Because a lot of spoken word is, you know, quite beautifully slot into that hip hop scene. I knew that was never going to be me, but I thought, hang on, there's, there's, there's not many people doing a different style of music or at least acoustic music, but throwing spoken word in there. So I thought, well, that can be my little niche and I'll, and I'll try to do something with that. Uh, and I've got a few songs, which is quite nice because it, you know, I haven't got a great back catalogue of songs like that. But it's really nice because in a set, if I'm doing a big show, it's nice to break it up with some different things. Like I could do one called All or Nothing with piano as well. So I'll do like a few poems, one with the guitar, another couple of poems, and then the piano one's finished. So it's nice to have that. It's more of a more of a show, I think. So. Yeah, I, I like think it's great. And I think um, it's definitely something people should think more about if you're kind of doing a lot of spoken words you know and you've got this really great piece is one of the one of the best ways to help it appeal to more people is to put it to music and you yeah. don't you don't necessarily need to be a music a musician yourself mm. in order to do that yeah like, totally. you know you can just source a background track yeah. and just kind of blend it well, in even the amount of times that i've gone onto youtube and just like typed in like found different hip-hop beats and and things that i really love and and, and just thought okay well this can be a good starting point for me to write something and mm. then i can work from there so you know i think that's a, a great idea for most people even if they're just trying to start out with rapping or, yeah. writing, or writing spoken word no you're right um so look now's kind of come time where uh we're about to hear your third and final piece called yes. mud hill so why yeah. don't you give us the little uh preamble to this piece uh mud hill is an actual place i don't know if it's actual now i'm sure if you looked it up it wouldn't be called mud hill but it's every- very muddy it's ironically it's not (laughs) there is some mud (laughs) it's more grassy but um everyone i I grew up in basildon in essex and everyone knows of mud hill so it kind of i loved it because basildon is like seen as this real sort of like it's got real negative connotations around basildon and being quite rough and there's a bit of like a concrete metropolis in places but where my mum lived around the back, there was, I lived with two of my best friends around the corner from me. And we used to meet before and after school and at the weekends, we'd always walk to the top of this hill and sit there. And it kind of looked over the whole of Basildon. And it was so, whenever I felt miserable, that was always my go-to place. And like being being 18 years old and you want to go out, but you can't really go anywhere, like, and we'd go up to the hill, I'd take my guitar with me, we'd get stoned and we'd listen to music and and we would literally stay out till six, seven in the morning and then roll back home. And those were the best nights of my life. And sometimes mm. now I go, because I'm still friends with those people, especially one boy, Rob, and I always say to him, God, don't you wish that we could go and do that? And sometimes we still do. Sometimes we'll just go and, and walk up there and, you know, it just reminds me of being that age loving sort of that those emo bands those pop punk bands and wearing band t-shirts thick eyeliner and you know walking up to mud hill with my guitar with my best mate and that's just the fondest memories like and that's what this poem's about amazing well look i cannot wait for people to hear it um again i just love this piece i love your delivery i love the kind of lyricism and yeah it clearly sums up exactly what you've just spoken about really very nicely so let's jump on and hear it this is the wonderful mep with mud hill my teenage years look a lot like mud hill i don't know why we called it that it was so much more than mud that place holds every memory it's seen my tears my sweat my blood 
We kissed each other's girlfriends and we blindly called it love, taking each other's clothes off and drinking Strongbow out of mugs. Collecting change to top up our phones because a conversation don't come for free. And to let my mum know I ain't dead in a ditch, her text is 20 fucking P. And it's £2 for a box of 10. It's thieving household lighters. Lying to our parents so that we could pull all-nighters. Bars and verses spilling out every one of us songwriters. Nap bites, wet legs from the grass and pockets full of spiders. But we knew how to ruin a good thing. And we took it a step too far. Doing things we shouldn't in the back of some bloke's car And we were underage but that didn't stop him kissing her Hands in other places and in my adult brain that's sinister We passed out under benches I dared her to drink a bottle of hock Vomit in her hoodie, in her hair and in her socks I swear I thought I'd killed her, I didn't, it's fine She's like 27 now But I still apologise whenever I see her doing her shopping down the town Because back then we were family And we were ride or die sharing secrets on a dictaphone and screaming to the sky. The stars became our nightlight, even though we weren't asleep. Wet legs buried under blankets, trying to warm our muddied feet, because summer ain't really summer at 4am, there's very little heat. So we followed flickered lampposts down grey and dormant streets. But we're fearless in the alleyways, we had our strength in numbers. Snakebite piercings, blackened eyes and slipknot on our jumpers. Kicking cans and holding hands, listening to emo bands. Through a CD Walkman held with a careful grip. Because if you're moving around too carelessly, you know the track will skip. And we're all angry at something, because it's just the modern way. When you're 15 and you're silenced and there's just so much to say, I guess in some ways not much has changed. 16 years on, I still go against the grain. It's embellished in the clothes I wear, in my reckless mind instilled. We'll be fighting for something until life pulls the plug together forever on Mud Hill. Great. So thanks very much. That was MEP with um, a relatively newest piece called yeah, it is, uh, though, yeah. Mud Hill. Mm. Um, and I think you really paint that picture so well, you know, and obviously that's something which so many of us can like relate to those kind of teenage years yeah. um, and those places which we have really fond memories in where you kind of grow and learn. And Yeah, I think you paint that picture really, really well. One of the other things I like particularly like about that piece is your kind of cadence mm. is so rhythmic and like I don't know it's really pleasing to the ear do you know what I mean (laughs) like you've you've really thought about how the kind of uh, flow is going to come out on that one so yeah thank you very much um so one other thing I wanted to have a quick little chat about is obviously you know we've uh spoken about that you uh have kind of been involved in the music scene as well Mm. as the spoken word scene and you've also combined the two But obviously, in the grand scheme of things, the spoken word scene is a kind of smidgen of that of the music industry. Um, you know, there's there's not um, there's not not kind of blow me on trumpet here, but there's not many podcasts which kind of no, do what not. we're doing now, are there? And no. you know, you transpose that to music. There's endless. Yeah. So what 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 do you think are some of the things that we can do as a spoken word scene to kind of learn from the music industry and like help the scene grow in a way that we all feel it should? I think as well, it's almost. You need to start local, so on a even like on a smaller basis. The issue is, is that a lot of people, you know, with the music scene, we all we all hear music on the radio and we watch it on TV, and it's everywhere in our lives. And I understand that spoken word just 
maybe isn't the right art form for that. But I think there's so many times where I played gigs when I was doing music stuff that everyone, or even if they weren't into that particular type of music, they were like, oh, well, it's at a pub, we can get drunk, we can chat, we can dance, blah, blah, blah. But when it's a spoken word show, a lot of people, especially if they're not, if they don't consider themselves into poetry, I think they have a different perception of what it's going to be like. Mm. So quite often they might avoid it because they're like, oh, that's not really what I want to do with my Friday night. Like I, I want to chat to my mates, I want to do, but actually by, it, I think, we need to it's supporting other people's shows so I, I i try my best to get to every every show i can and even if i'm you know doing one poem and, and someone's headlining and doing a whole show like i'll still do my best to get down there because i'm like well not only am i getting to do something but i'm supporting that person and i think it's being looking out for each other and and really promoting each other and saying you know what you're bloody brilliant and I'm going to tell my mates about you and invite them down to your show and and uh, quite a lot of people don't like bigging up other people's success yeah. which is a it's a trait I hate like and they will deliberately you know try and shy away from really saying oh this spoken word artist is amazing and they're doing things that I don't do why don't we go and see that person and I think if more people did that it would you know because if you start on a smaller basis then that would just gradually expand it's we've got a wonderful sort of spoken word network and family in London but it would be so good to get other people who weren't necessarily interested, who've never shown an interest before. Because I guarantee if they came to one thing, they'd be like, actually, that was pretty fucking that, cool. That's exactly my, like, thing. Yeah. You know, like, I've had... Um, this is just an anecdotal um, kind of proof here. But, yeah. you know, I've had, like, a couple of friends since I've gotten into it, you know, be like, come and, like, come and see me at a show. And, and it would have been the first time they've ever um, come across a spoken word night or ever gone to one. Mm. And like, I mean, 99% of the time, I get the impression that it wasn't what they thought it was going to be like. Yeah. Um, and and I don't know how, what more we could do to kind of <laughs> yeah. like change people's minds on this. Because, you know, often this was something I was having a chat with a friend of mine the other day. And he said, often at, at nights, right, everyone in the room is a spoken word artist and they might yes. have. And so so what, this was quite a funny quote that he said, but he basically said was like, well, therefore what you then have is not an audience, you have a cue. Yeah, <laughs> and, exactly and he was so that. Right, wasn't he? Exactly that, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I and, I, and I thought he kind of summarised it really well, but it's... And that's it's, like, oh, that's the problem with... That's the problem with, um, you know, as as great as it is, because obviously we're desperate to get the scene back and get gigs up and running. But I was thinking that the other day, like they're starting to do smaller um, shows, but they can only release like 20 tickets. And I was thinking, well, if eight people are performing and they're each bringing a person each, well, that's near enough your capacity gone. So realistically, like it's just... It's gonna just going to be poets, yeah. isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. It is a real shame. Just a but... smaller queue. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah, that's one thing we can thank uh, COVID-19 for. Smaller queue yeah. spoken word <laughs> nights with a quieter uh, audience. Okay, cool. So we reached the part of the show where we do Eyes and Ears. Love it. Love it. Eyes and Ears. Okay, that's for you. 
okay. I love that. That's a fun little jingle, isn't it? <laughs> okay, so look, eyes and ears is the part of the show where we get a recommendation from our guests, something for our eyes to find blissful and something for our ears to relish. And do you know what? Every week I say something different after that. Something for our eyes and something for our yeah. ears. I try to add a little bit of you know, salt, salt <laughs> yeah, and pepper yeah, to that yeah. and it always just goes terribly <laughs> wrong. Okay, so uh, MEP, what have you got for our eyes? Okay, eyes. Now this is odd because I've picked two books and I don't read ever. Like I hate reading, but these are the only two books that I've read all the way through. So that's why I've picked them because I'm like, well, if they've managed to grab my attention, which is really hard to do, and I literally read them one I read literally cover to cover in a few days. The other one I read three quarters of it on a holiday and then finished the rest of it. Great. So um, the first one, now I know a lot of people either love him or hate him, but the book itself is fantastic and has helped me a lot, is Recovery by Russell Brand. Mm-hmm. Uh so the the book is basically writing about his own experiences, but then he puts in the 12 step program and you read through the 12 step program with him and you get like get to certain stages. And then he asks you to more or less write down all the things that he had to write down in his 12 step program and, and teaches you how to get through each part of that. And in many ways, there's a, there's a lot of things that I've read in that book that I have actually taken on from that and done myself. So, and I just think if, if, if you're someone who, struggles with mental health or addiction in any way there is something relatable in that book mm. so yeah i've read that it is it's is funny why he's kind of such a love and hate figure i'm i'm i'm, I'm someone that loves him yes right? but um he is divisive like i remember like i was kind of watching a lot of his youtube content when i was at uni and yeah. like, my housemates was like what the fuck is that <laughs> yeah yeah knobhead in there like uh he always wears like a pashmina yeah. like, he's like <laughs> yeah. And I'm just like, yeah, but listen to what he's saying. And they yeah. feel like people can't can't get past the image of him. Um, but yeah, that's just a little side note. Okay, cool. So what have you got for our other eye? So my other eye <laughs> is, so this is another book that I've read all the way through. And I read it when I was like, I want to say 15, 16. And it was really eye-opening because I think actually it was pitched for a lot older person than 15, 16. There was some stuff in that book that I was like, Jesus Christ. <laughs> but um it's called Scar Tissue and it's by Anthony Kiedis, who is the lead singer of Red Hot Chili Peppers. Uh, but he's just got this mad, he's lived this mad life of of just, you know, sex, drugs and rock and roll, basically. And his stories from being from being as young as eight years old and and going on tour and with his dad and taking cocaine at eight years old and things like that. Yeah, like it's astonishing. But he's like his talent and the things he's created off the back of what could have been for a lot of people, like the end of them. And he's just continuing to just be kick-ass i think is brilliant so yeah i love that book amazing well look um I, I love those both i think they both kind of bring something different which is really really cool yeah and um, what have you got for our ears ears right i could there's so many things i could have picked but <laughs> i picked this because a it's new and b if ever i'm don't know what to put on musically and i'm like what could i listen to whenever i'm driving more often than not, I always want to listen to Leanne Havis. I think mm-hmm. she is just spellbinding. And I saw her live with my friend Rob, who was from the Poem Mud Hill, um, 
a few years back and we saw her at Somerset House in London. It was like July and it was like six o'clock and it was just like the sunset and she was on stage and she just played two hours of some acoustic stuff and, and some with a full band. But her, I love her first album. Her second album was good but I didn't love it as much as the first, but this album is just absolutely fantastic. It's everything from hip hop, but a real jazz feel and, and some elements of blues and stuff in there as well. So yeah, she, I've got that down. The latest Leanne Havis album. Yeah, which Do I, don't, name of it? I don't know what the new one is, what, what the album is called. <laughs> well, that's fine. It is whatever the 2021 is. But yeah, if you're, and also Spotify. to listen to um, a particular song off there, there's, she does a cover of a Radiohead song. Uh, called Weird Fishes, mm-hmm. which is brilliant. Um, I feel like I need to look this up because it's just going to wind me up. <laughs> but um, I think it's because I always just type in Leanne Le Havis and the cover is literally just, just a picture it. of her. Yeah. She's, um, she has one of the most impressive vocals, I think, and it's also yeah. the most underrated singer. Oh, that's why that's why I don't know, because it is just called Leanne Le Havis. Ah, well, there yeah. you go. Leanne Le Havis by Leanne Le Havis. Yeah. She's the most underrated singer yeah, ever. Yeah, like, so is. When you really listen to those kind of more raw and, you know, where they just strip everything back, right, mm. and you have just the guitar and her yeah it is phenomenal you know that what there's also a video up on uh uh youtube of her and i'm not sure whether it's a mahogany sessions or it's a live session yeah. where she's walking through like a market through, yes what, I've, what's yeah that one? um I, I, can't, I can't remember what yeah that's but called. i've seen that one and there's like another one of her performing in like this little french cafe and it's, yeah. it's she and, and i listened to the whole thing and and didn't realize that it was live yeah she's amazing absolutely amazing well look those are three even really great recommendations we've got recovery the recovery book sorry by russell brand scar tissue by anthony kiedis and leanne havis by leanne havis so um brilliant let's uh jumble to the final little bit of the show where i ask my guests what their plan is what their goals are with spoken word where do you want to take this that is such a good question <laughs> uh, there's not always an answer no right? do you know but, what like this with the with the spoken word itself the end goal was just to write stuff that I was really proud and happy with and slowly that's starting to happen but on a from what I where I want it to go long term is I would love for my full-time job to just be talking potentially in schools universities workplaces and just doing the adhd talks i do because normally they're like i do a a talk speak about my experiences with adhd perform a spoken word poem which is a really good it's good to get other people involved and it catches people off guard because some people like to listen to a poem rather than listen to someone chat about themselves it feels a bit self-indulgent so do that bit more talking and then like you know invite other people to sort of chat about it with me and then end on another poem and to be able to do that long term and and potentially help other people because I feel like I really needed that when I was 15 16 I needed someone to be that person for me and I just didn't have it and I would love to be that person for someone else whether that's an adult or a child so yeah that's where I want poetry to take me Amazing. Well, look, I think that's probably one of the, like the best answers we've ever had. Like, because it kind of, you know, directly relates to a genuine positive impact, right? For so many young, young, young people. And I think I, it, it totally makes sense that you're a ambassador for that charity. Yeah. You know, you can, you can provide such insight 
in uh, into this, but also entertain people in the meantime, right? Which is clearly yeah. why it kind of works so exactly. well. So I wish you the best with that. Thank um, look, you we've so heard much. three wicked pieces. We've heard volume control, a beautiful song, waves, and finally that one at the end, all about Basildon Mud <laughs> Hill. Um, MEP, it's been an absolute pleasure. Thank you so much. We've, I, we, I feel like I've learned a lot. I genuinely do. Oh, like, good. I'm um, glad. And also, I've just really enjoyed it. Yeah, I have. It's been it's been easy. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> this is easy. <laughs> do you mate. ever have it like on my podcast? Sometimes I'm like, sometimes I'll talk and I'm like, oh god maybe I'm talking too much. And then I came on here and I was like, oh, it's not even my podcast. I'm definitely talking too much. No, but this has been fun. <laughs> not at all. It's been an absolute pleasure. Remind people where they can find you on Instagram. Yeah, so on Instagram, Facebook and Twitter, it's at M-E-P mate, E-M-Y-P-M-A-T-E because my mum hates me talking like that because I'm from Essex. <laughs> M-E-P mate. And the podcast <laughs> is Ain't Broke, Don't Fix It, available out on all platforms. Yeah, Spotify, okay. iTunes and Podbean. People go and grab those things. So, Wicked, thank you very thank much. You so thank much. you so much. Thank you, We'll see you all next week. Bye. sure this is going okay cool so we'll do the first one which is staying out tomorrow okay hi guys it's MEP uh my episode with word spoken the podcast is out tomorrow make sure you listen perfect cool and then we'll do the same thing for out now Hi guys, MEP here. My episode with Word Spoken, the podcast is out right now. Listen to it for God's sake. <laughs> Perfect. <laughs>